Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders! Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Got a text message from my guy Jason in Maryland on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Q. It seems that the media is more concerned about this Hall of Fame comment more than anybody else. I agree 100% with that. Absolutely. And the reason is, is because the Raiders are the only team in camp, right? They're the only team in camp, and so all eyes are on them. They got started a little bit early, so there's not any other storylines going on. So that's one another reason why the Raiders are in a lot of conversation because there's actually football activities going on with them. That's why Steve Weish is at you know Raiders camp. That's why Josina Anderson is at Raiders camp. That's why Peter King is at Raiders camp because the Raiders got started earlier as next Thursday. Imagine this. Next Thursday is the first Raider preseason game. I think about that. Think how quick that's coming around. Next Thursday, I won't be standing here. I'll be standing in Canton, Ohio, getting ready for the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame game, the Raiders and the Jaguars. I mean, that is already coming up that fast. Are you prepared? Are you ready for what is football season? Oh, not at all, actually. I'm going to be <laughs> honest because you're saying that. It's like the Hall of Fame. For me, it's just one of those things like far off in a distant future. Right. It's like, oh, it's next week. Yeah, that's right. Right. All this Hall of Fame talk. Next week, they have a game. Exactly. Next week. Exactly. And you know how it gets down, man. You know how the football season grind is, right? So just uh, just prepare yourself. Yeah, it's one of those things you just keep forgetting. It's like, oh, football's about to be played. Like, for real, for real. And then for this team, you know, like, I know you don't like the show that much, but I wish that maybe just each individual team, maybe put it up behind a paywall or something, Raiders.com, their version of Hard Knocks, because I do want to see just the dramatization of, hey, there's a game next week. How are the players actually reacting right. to this? Like, not like the starters, obviously, the guys that you don't expect to see playing, but what are some of those fringe guys? How are they handling this moment? Like, man, camp's starting a little bit sooner, and now you've got to be playing. Are they happy about that extra game? Mm-hmm. Or just, you know, what are those players thinking about this extra game that they get for the Hall of Fame? Right, exactly. And I think that the extra game for the Hall of or for the Hall of Fame game and for these some of these players is good. You know, they, they always had four games before, and a lot of people said that fourth game doesn't matter, just whatever, you know. But I always felt like, and this was just me, I always felt like the young guys, the guys that felt like they weren't going to make the roster, it was a good game for them because they're auditioning for 31 other teams, right? So I think that having this extra game is going to help at least get some some film for some of these guys. That's all you want, man. You want reps. You want reps on film that other teams could look at and say, oh, hey, look, remember this game? Yeah, he did all right. I'll tell you right now. If you're a dude like DeMond who never got into a hoop game at all in his high school career, all of a sudden he gets an opportunity to play. He can go out there and play. You're going to go play hard, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm a bad example. You know, you know Coach had to you know, fight to take me out the game. Oh, you know, I starting. got you. Too you much burn. Mean? Too much burn. Exactly. Okay. All right. DeMond was taking too much burn from the other guys. But no. You want to win, let booby spin. I don't know if you remember that Friday Night Lights. That was me. Yo, come on now. There you go. There you go. I can respect that. No, but for real, some of these guys that don't get as much burn as they would like are going to love this game, having this extra game, just because they know that they're going to get an opportunity to go out there and show what they can do. Uh, it's just another opportunity to showcase them themselves. And that's all that you could ever ask for is opportunity. So uh, I could totally respect that. Uh, got a Got a text from Sir Whiskey Ray. 
Q and D. The only thing that matters here in the Raider Nation is if Derek Carr wins the Super Bowl. I don't care if he's a Hall of Famer or not. Derek will be an all-time Raider great if he wins the big game. Yeah, he's only 31 and has at least six years left, in my opinion. He's got a better opportunity now with the modern head coach in, Dan- in McDaniels, as well as Devontae Adams at his disposal. No matter what, Derek has been a class act, professional, and the face of the franchise. Couldn't have asked for a better person to have as our quarterback, representing our franchise. We are blessed to have Derek Carr, and let's remember what we had prior to D.C. Yes, some dark years, and let's not go back to that. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray, and I I agree. I agree. He's gone through a lot from the minute that he took over as a starter uh, his rookie year. Remember, he wasn't supposed to be the starter. Uh, who they have in place? They had... Uh, who is that? Um, Matt Schaub, right? Matt Schaub was supposed to be the guy, and he clearly wasn't the guy coming off his terrible season that he had in Houston where he threw interception after interception after interception. Uh, he was supposed to be the starter for the Raiders, and Derek Carr beat him out in that fourth preseason game. It's funny. We're talking about preseason games. That's what got Derek Carr the start, and he hasn't looked back since. He literally got the start based off what he did in that fourth preseason game against the Seattle Seahawks. And I think that the Seattle had a few of their big-time defenders in, like Richard Sherman and a couple other guys, for like a a drive. Like one drive. It wasn't very much at all. But Derek Carr went out there. He played well. He he was slinging the ball around the yard. And I think everyone realized, and Dennis Allen was the head coach then, that, hey, this this dude's got an opportunity. And I remember watching that game. I was like, man, please let Derek be the starter. Please. Because... Man, not Matt. Yeah, Matt Schaub was terrible. Uh, he's like the king of the pick six. Yeah, exactly. I think that's like a, a yes. record that he holds for the NFL. No, I think so, too. I mean, they literally called a, a burger in Houston the pick six. It was the Matt Schaub burger. It was called the pick six. I mean, they, they did that because he was throwing pick six after pick six after pick six. Like, that guy can never even drive around Houston anymore. Everyone will be like, oh, you bum. You know, they'll give him the dirt. So, But he got him to the playoffs, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> Once. He also threw an interception <laughs> with the uh, – with what ten guys on the field against the Raiders in that uh, that Al Davis game when uh, Hugh, you know Al Davis had just passed the day before and Hugh Jackson was the head coach yeah he he also did that ten guys on the field I thought he could have ran the ball in he ran and then all of a sudden he pulled up and decided to float one and Michael Huff made the interception in the end zone and uh, the Raiders picked up that victory that was the day after uh, Al Davis had passed away so uh, there you go that's what I remember about Matt Schaub I remember all the pick sixes and how everyone in Houston couldn't stand that dude by the time he was all said and done with what he had going on. 407 is the time. You can keep those texts and calls coming at 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash, text line 69187, keyword R&R. We do have Josina Anderson coming up at 430 to talk about what she saw from Raiders training camp when she was there on Friday. Talk about Devontae Adams and also talk about Derek Carr. But right now I wanted to get into a couple sound bites that we heard on Saturday from Patrick Graham. And I really like Patrick Graham. I do. I think he's going to be a really good defensive coordinator, and I liked him when he was in New York. I think he's going to be a head coach sooner rather than later, and if you missed the interview earlier this morning with Peter King on the morning tailgate with Vinny Bonsignor and Heidi Fang, Peter King even said that, hey, I think that at some point, if we get that, get enough time, we'll get that soundbite in as well, but he said, I think at some point soon, Patrick Graham's going to be a head coach uh, just because he's that good. So I, I like what the Raiders have in him as a defensive coordinator. We'll see how long that he's actually around because, again, I, I agree with Peter King 100%. I do think he's going to be uh, a head coach sooner rather than later. But and I'll just go in order of these, DeMond. Uh, the first sound bite from Patrick Graham, his media session on Saturday, was just about the benefit of having vets in key positions on defense. Well, it's always good to have veterans so that, you, you know, you have guys that know the system, you know, are more comfortable, obviously, communicating, um, have seen, you know, all the different looks. And plus they have some leadership on the field and off the field in terms of 
teaching the young guys how to prepare to get their bodies ready for training camp, how to study tape, how to watch practice when you're not in to get the mental reps. And then the young guys, just their energy usually helps push the veterans. You know, they're usually they're younger, they're healthier, you know, they're, they're ready to run, all, uh, you know, at the drop of a dime. So that always usually, usually helps the energy in practice and helps push guys. There's a defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, talking about the vets. And that's the other thing that I've been talking about for a while, especially when it comes to the cornerback position. I would have liked to see an established veteran in that cornerback room for that exact reason that Patrick Graham just said. You know, he can they can kind of show him the ropes, but then at the same time have an established guy there and make the young guys push them and push them and push them. So uh, I, I think that if you look around the Raiders roster and you see the vets that are there in certain positions, that's going to help them transition and learn what they're supposed to do under Josh McDaniels and Patrick Graham. But uh, in that in that cornerback room. Now, they do have it in the, in, in the safety spot, right? Deron Harmon is going to be that guy, and he's been helping out a lot. I know he talked to Trayvon Merrick, and I even asked Trayvon Merrick about him. Like, hey, you know, how much has Deron Harmon helped you? And he's basically been a sponge. He's been trying to uh, soak up everything that Deron Harmon could teach him. So I think that it's good to have that veteran there at the back end. I think it would be good to have a veteran as well at the cornerback position. Now, something else that's been talked about when it comes to Patrick Graham and his defense quite a bit is how complex his scheme is. Last time the Raiders had a complex scheme uh, under Paul Gunther, it was no bueno, right? The defense was not very good. So he was asked about how have the players adjusted to his complex scheme. I love this answer from defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. I mean, football, again, is not as complex as everybody thinks. I mean, football, you know, you have single high zone, you have single high man. They played that here last year. You have split safety zone, split safety man. They played that here last year. I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel anywhere. Um, you know, again, from each system, it's usually language. That's probably the thing that's different. And the guys have embraced it. I mean, so, again, I mean, this is a very successful defense last year. And, you know, we're just trying to build on that. And then, obviously, some of the language changes. But, I mean, it's really not as complex as everybody thinks. I mean, there's, not, there's only so much you could do out there on the field to take away what the offense is doing. And we just – it's usually a different language. I think that's the key right there. I mean, football is football at the end of the day, right? Everyone knows what the, the goal is. <laughs> Right, if you're on defense, you just stop the offense from scoring. You know, if you're on the defensive line, you're trying to get to the quarterback. You're trying to stop the run. If you're a cornerback, you're trying to stop the wide receiver from catching. I mean, there's it's it's basic concepts that he's he's playing with, and so uh, I just like his energy and even his little laugh and like, hey guys, it's not as complicated as everyone's trying to make it seem. You know, and and the one thing I can say about this coaching staff is not only are they coaching, and we had this brought up earlier. I think uh, Raider X mentioned it when he called in. Uh, they're out there teaching as well. And you can see it. It's not just, you know, go do this, run this, uh, you know, line up in this game, whatever. It's not just that. It's it's the actual teaching. Like, this is what we want you to do. This is how we want you to do it, and this is why. So when you get the why, I think it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and I know this is on the offensive side, but you guys put it out, so it's okay to say it on the air. But Mick Lombardi, mm-hmm. I forget who was at training camp that tweeted it out, but he's showing Hunter Renfro exactly how he wants him to run the route. Mm-hmm. And those are the things, like you said, they are teaching. They are showing him this is exactly how we want you to do it. Right, exactly, exactly. So he was asked another question, and I thought this was pretty funny, and we're going to skip the one about Trayvon Merrick. We're going to go right to the, to the scheme. Uh, he was asked a question about, uh, and it was so funny because you'll hear him correct the person to ask him this question on transitioning from a th- four three to a three four and what that entails. I think you misspoke. I've never spoken about transitioning to anything. Okay, nice one. I'm, I'm on to you now. <laughs> um, I'll say this. You know, again, however we deploy the front, I, I can't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, game one, we're going to do what we think is best, guys. I mean, so if it's three four four three. 33, 5, whatever they call that, you know, we're going to do what we think is best. Um, 
the guys are learning multiple positions. Here's the thing. We, we're, the roster is so limited. We only have a certain number of players. Guys have to be able to do t- more than one thing. If they, That's how you increase your value. That's how you increase the, the, the possibility of you staying here, being on the team. So we ask a lot of our guys, whether it's in the front, you know, the, the second level or the third level, that we ask them to learn more than one thing. And now if you only know one thing, you better be really, really good. Because there's, you know, game day, there's only 46 spots. So we got to be right on that. So there's the Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator for the Raiders. And he was asked, you know, when you said, uh, talk about switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4. And that's why I was like, hey, man, I never said that. You misspoke. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing. And Ed talked about it. Ed Graney talked about it when he joined us in the first hour. Like, these guys won't specifically say anything. You know, hey, what kind of scheme are you going to run? We're going to run multiple. You know, we all believe it's going to be basically a 3-4 front. The way that they've established the players, the guys that they brought in, it's pretty much, hey, it's going to be a 3-4 front. They're going to have, you know, press coverage. Fine. But they're not saying that. That's just us talking. That's just the guys that are, are, are there. They're, they're not coming out saying that. The players, when they talk to us, they'll talk very specific about certain things, and then other things they'll just leave alone. Oh, you got to ask Coach about that. You gotta, they have been trained, and I say that in the most respectful way, they have been trained to say as little as possible about actual game plan, about actually what they're doing. You know, whatever they feel like they, we don't need to know, they're not going to tell us. And that's okay. That's fine. You know, I, I actually like that, that every guy knows that, hey, that's, that's not my conversation. You know, and that's why when Patrick Graham said, I think you misspoke because I didn't never say nothing like that. I, I, I feel him on that. I absolutely feel him on that. Now let's go let's go back to the Trayvon Merrick one real quick. I I asked him the question because everyone was basically asking about certain players here and there. And I wanted to ask about Trayvon Merrick, who played a lot his rookie year. And so I knew that you can't just say, Well, what do you think from a Trayvon Merrick? He's a good, nice player, or whatever like that. So I thought I'd be a little more creative. And I said I asked him about his vision, and he gets a good he gets a good uh, a, a good chuckle and a good joke in uh, when he responds to this question. But here's Patrick Grant talking about the vision he has for Trayvon Merrick. My vision for him to be good <laughs> is that does that work? Does that work? Uh, I want him to be good, um, help us win a lot of football games. No, I, I think what we got to do. You know, he's in his second year. Um, he's shown the willingness to work. Um, you know. God make you know he's shown the willingness to communicate. You know that's the one thing from that position we're asking those guys to talk a lot. You know pre post snap talk a lot. So that's one important thing. Again I, he's working on it every day. You know we just point out we're trying to build it. You know it's early on in training camp. There's a lot to work on right now. But I would say right now in this part of training camp we're in right now, probably the focus would be communication, communication, recognizing sets, and then just keep building on that, building on that. So there's Patrick Graham right there talking about his vision for Trayvon Merrick. I just I thought that was a, a fun answer. He's he, I want him to be good. <laughs> just he's a fun guy. I mean, you could tell just by his answers. He's a fun dude. And then the one answer I forget what it was asked, but he's like, "Hell, uh, uh, can I can I can I say that?" Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. Well, you yeah. just did. Well, you just did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was funny. I mean, again, and I think at the end he said, uh, "Don't tell my mom" or something like yes. that. Yeah. I mean, he's just. He's just a good dude, you know, and sounds like a, a, a fun guy. So anytime we get an opportunity to talk to him, uh, I'm all ears and I'm, I'm all ready for that. Final soundbite I want you to hear from Patrick Graham is about Denzel Perryman. We know he was a Pro Bowler a year ago. We know he wants a new contract. Uh, he's only making a little bit over a million dollars this year. But just Denzel Perryman, the player himself, what does he bring to the team as a leader? I think it's important. And I've been around some good ones in my career. Consistency. And, you know, whether it's your emotions whether it's, you know, out there on the field with your communication, your play, 
I mean, you can't lead if you're not, if you're not contributing, you know, and being consistent with the, your contribution there. And he comes in the same way every day. Great energy, willingness to learn, accountable. You know, if he messes up, he's, he's willing to take the blame for that. And he holds others accountable. And because he's in that position as a linebacker, he's doing a good job of communicating between the players and the coaches, players and the coaches. And that, that's important from that position. There's Patrick Graham right there talking about Denzel Perryman. And I think everyone to a T who's been asked about Denzel says the same thing. The dude, you know, is a is a great leader. He's a great communicator. Uh, he keeps everyone loose with his personality. He comes to work every day with a smile on his face. Just uh, He's one of those guys that people say you have an infectious personality, and he does. And, and that kind of rubs, you know, rubs off on other people and puts them in a better mood and uh, willing to go out there and work. And they see him out there busting his backside working, they're going to go and bust it a little bit harder. So uh, I think that those kind of guys are very important to have, and that's what Denzel Perriman brings to the table. Not only that, but obviously his play on the field as well. 417 is the time. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Sam and Ash text line 69187 keyword r and of course uh, the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. What's your thoughts on Denzel Good retiring? What's your biggest concern as Wednesday's coming up they're going to put the pads on? Are you more concerned about the status of the offensive line or the lack of experience at the cornerback position? Let us know about it. Let us know why. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. Mailman Raider hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r As a dude that hated Tom Cable as an offensive line coach and a head coach, the O-line will be elite with him out the door. LOL. But seriously, have more faith in the cornerbacks with Jones and Max making it harder on quarterbacks to make good throws. Again, that's from Mailman Raider. And oh, that's one way to look at it. You know, the pass rush is going to definitely help the cornerback position out, right? That's going to help the quarterback room out. Uh, you always have those conversations. You know, what's more important, the defensive line or the cornerbacks? And some, well, most teams, I think the good teams are built from the inside out, right? And the inside out, I mean the lines and then outside. Now, some teams, they'll just say, hey, let me go get that skill position guy and we'll worry about the defensive line later and the offensive line as well. And I think that's a mistake, but some really good uh, pass rushers should be able to help out uh, with the corners as well, like you mentioned. Uh, again, it's it's something that you would like to have, or at least I think that you would like to have a veteran in that position to kind of hold it down and help that, you know, that transition to whatever they're doing. You know, whatever scheme that they're running, just kind of understand the language a little bit more. Uh, you know, just like Jerron Harmon's on the back end for the safeties, I think it would have been good to have somebody in that position for the corner. But uh, like you said, man, uh, they, they can figure it out if they have that elite pass rush. And if Chandler Jones and Max Crosby are what everyone believes it's going to be, then they're in a good position. Uh, Rob in Oakland hit us up and said, uh, Josh McDaniel's press conferences reveal his football philosophy. Early on, he suggested more games are lost, not won in the NFL. Later, he emphasized practicing fundamentals like keeping pad levels low, shedding blockers, pass pro, and blitz pickup. As fans, we judge teams based on how many star players we have or acquired during the offseason. But Josh McDaniels will improve all the players on the team so we have a better chance of having 11 guys execute well on every play in every game. This should limit uh, missed assignments and penalties and lift the floor performance of the team. I'm hoping for fewer breakdowns and better play-to-play and week-to-week execution. Again, that's from Rob in Oakland. And, yeah, he definitely has an emphasis on every player, every position, and doing things, executing things correctly. That's a big deal. They definitely need to make sure things are executed correctly. And that goes back to what I was talking about, the teaching. 
That's what you're going. That's what you're seeing right now in training camp. These guys, if they don't do it right, they'll run it back. They'll do it again. You know, they'll stop them in, in mid, you know, mid whatever, mid rep, and say, okay, no, do it like this, do it like that. I mean, you, you see, every one of the coaches doesn't matter if it's the running back coach, doesn't matter if it's a tight ends coach, or or actually it's the offensive coordinator uh, going back and forth between the tight end because they don't really technically have a, a tight ends coach. But uh, yeah, all the coaches that are out there, they're all doing a lot of teaching right now, and so that's that that goes back to what you're saying, Rob. So thank you so much for that text. Uh, Geese mode said one thing Carr has proven over his career is that he doesn't buckle under game pressure. This is the year for the Raider greatness. Let's go Raiders. That's from geese mode. Uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, Vegas Pete hit us up and said, didn't Murray insist on having quiet time and talk to his girlfriend, not coaches at halftime last year. Carr does four hours before lunch talking about, uh, talking about uh, Kyler Murray and his contract and how it has four hours of, Film work. You got to have four hours of film work with no no electronic influence. No uh no phone. No TV. No uh, video games. All that stuff, which I think is silly. And we're, we'll ask Josina Anderson. She's scheduled to call us in about five minutes. We'll ask her her thoughts on that. But again, going back to that, we had a little bit of a conversation. And I think in the hour, second hour of the show, I just think that that's silly. I think that that's something that shouldn't have to even be in a contract. And if it is something that's necessary to be in a contract, I think it's kind of a bad reflection on you. But what does that say about the team? It's either you trust him or you don't. Because that's saying every year they've had a better record since his he's only been in the league for right. three years now. Right. But he's improved that team with each season that he's been the starting quarterback. So do you not trust him? He's the best quarterback you've had since Kurt Warner made that late push in, in the bottom half of his career. Right. What are you going to do? Like, I don't know. For, for the Cardinals, it's a silly move to put in there because are you going to get rid of him? No, obviously not. Obviously not. But I did see something, I believe, from Andrew Brandt, and I should have had that pulled up when I when I uh, saw it because I thought that I was past that conversation for a minute, so I didn't really focus in on it. But it was something about about this this issue with Kyler, and it was here. It goes right here. So Kyler Murray can forfeit up to a hundred million dollars of guaranteed money if he doesn't do four hours of homework one week. There will be lawyers. Could you imagine that forfeiting a hundred million dollars because you're not doing four hours of homework? Like to have to put that into a contract tells me a whole lot. And and you're right. It I mean it tells you about the organization and it tells you a lot about the player. You know if the organization feels like they have to do that, is that your is that your guy? You know if you have to if you have to put rules for a grown ass man who's about to make that kind of money, if you have to put some kind of rules in the contract that he has to abide by, is that really the guy you should be giving that much money to? So it kind of makes you look bad. Yeah, it makes him look bad, but the organization. As an organization, that's what I'm saying, not, oh, not the players. Oh, yes, exactly, because this is your starting quarterback. Just think about a team that needs a quarterback. I know that, let's say the Texans, they believe in Mills down there. But it's like, hey, this is the Kyler Murray contract. The only problem is he may play video games a little too much. Sign me up. I'm a Titans fan. Kick Tannehill to the curb right now. <laughs> I know that's if, right. If that's what it takes to get him in. I know that's right. Yeah, and Josina Anderson just tweeted at me, so she's uh, going to be calling in in a matter of minutes. So we'll definitely ask her about that off top because that again, I'm, it's kind of confusing, right? It's kind of confusing as far as what that says about each side of the uh, of the fence. You know, if you have to have that in there, because there are a lot of teams that would sign up, especially uh, you know a team like the Houston Texans. I mean, look, Kyler Murray is a Texas dude. You know, you think they that Houston wouldn't want to have him there? Instead of Davis Mills, I know that they believe in Davis Mills, but you sure that they wouldn't want to have him there? They'd want to have him there. There's no doubt. Only 24 years old. Right, exactly. If the only problem he has in life is is he plays video games a little too much, that's that's okay too. 
That's okay too. You know, I mean, hey, hey, you got to focus. You got to do this. We're expecting this from you. We're expecting big things. But if if his big hang up is that he plays video games more than than you'd like him to, I think I still think he's going to be okay. Right? I definitely think he'll be okay. So that that is uh, that is something that's very very interesting. Uh, we got a couple more texts coming in at six nine. 187 keyword R&R, and we'll get to him in a few minutes. But join us now on the phone lines from CBS Sports is Josina Anderson. And Josina, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. It was great seeing you at uh, Raiders practice on uh, on Friday last week. And before we get into the Raiders, I have to ask you about this Kyler Murray contract situation. Have you ever seen something like this where where they have a, 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 a language in the contract where he has to study four hours a week and stay away from video games? So, no, I actually got the heads up on that um, before it was broken, um, but I did not report it. At the time, I was trying to figure out something else on a separate topic, and someone literally told me, I would say probably about 15, 20 minutes before he and put it out, and um, I just didn't think to ask the person. You know, it was, you know, deft in asking for, you know, a screenshot of the contract, you know, so because clearly you can be told about components of a contract, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be sure if you're going to say something like that, that you have it. And at the time, I was just uh, multitasking, was not fully focused on what the person was. They were literally reacting to it in the background. Um, and, and I was like, oh, and they were like, oh, you should report that. And I was like, oh, but I was focused on something else. <laughs> so, and then next thing you know, I see Ian put it out. And I was like, oh, I guess I could have just put that out, huh? Um, so, um, but yeah, no, I, to answer your question, um, definitely no, I have not seen it. Um, I can't imagine that the Cardinals and Kyler are happy that that's being focused on right now, uh, cause it's one creating discussion and two, if for some reason, uh, they're dealing with adversity or anything like that, that doesn't look good on the offensive, you know, side of things, particularly from his side, you know. People will bring it up, as you know, people do in the the social media world and things like that. So um, I understand why it's talk. Um, I I did see the uh, blurb or the snippet that uh, Pro Football Talk had retweeted with someone who had a quote reportedly that Kyler Murray had said as to, you know, his inner belief with regards to his ability to see, uh, see the field, assuming that that is, you know, a legitimate quote from Kyler. So... You, if that is, you hear his perspective as to how he feels with regards to that. Um, but as Charles Robinson also pointed out from Yahoo, um, the fact that it's inserted in there is illuminating the fact that the team felt like it needed to be in there. Talking right now with Josina Anderson from CBS Sports here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, you were at Raiders training camp on Friday. It was a pretty hot day out there, but uh, you were out there. Uh, you were you were fighting it off, <laughs> you know, as we all were dealing with the heat. You got a chance to talk to Derek Carr. You talked to Devontae Adams, head coach Josh McDaniels. What was your, your biggest takeaway, like the vibe that you got from those guys and, and, and their expectations for this team this year? I just think it's just high anticipation. I think they have the components, you know, to be very interesting with regards to the caliber of the player. I also think that um, in addition to, you know, the caliber of the player, they have a lot of players that are very, you know, motivated based on, you know, past circumstances or contractual circumstances, you know, whether it be, you know, Devontae Adams coming from another team and adjusting to, 
you know, another quarterback, whether it be Josh Jacobs, you know, in your first rounders from 2019 at having their fifth year option, you know, picked up, whether it's Chandler Jones trying to show, you know, that he still can be, you know, a, a, a highly productive, you know, double sack edge rusher to, um, you know, a new defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, coming from the Giants, obviously your head coach, you know, trying to reestablish himself in a second tent as head coach coming from the Broncos in 2009-2010. So, um, and then just combining the offensive weapons that you already have in Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller and trying to figure that out contractually. Um, there are just a lot of uh, interesting pieces, particularly also when you consider the prowess of the head coach um, being a six-time you know, Super Bowl champion coach and clearly his work with Tom Brady um, and the knowledge that he has offensively and then also intriguingly just watching how in this second stint that Josh McDaniels handles, you know, just leading uh, mm-hmm. from a people standpoint and also from a football standpoint. Devontae Adams, he talked to you and Brian McFadden uh, at the practice, and you know, it was that that whole Hall of Fame conversation came up, and uh, I felt like it really got overblown because, well, there's only one team practicing right now, and it's the and it's the Raiders, and so uh, for conversation pieces, a lot of people ran with it and said, "Oh, he said Hall of Fame to Hall of Fame." He clarified it yesterday. Uh, what did you think when you heard it? Did, you were you were on board with him, where you kind of knew what he was talking about? Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. You know, first of all, every you know, let's just talk about Devontae Adams as a man and as a person, as a player. He's an exemplary teammate. He obviously has a pre-existing relationship with Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a stud, you know, quarterback in and of himself. And regardless of the fact if, you know, you're talking about comparison, how, comparing how many championships a quarterback has or an MVP on the face of this earth, right, there are only so many people who can play quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So that in of itself is elite. Then, you know, from there you talk about, you know, quarterbacks who, you know, are in your top, you know, 15 or, you know, uh, taking you to a postseason or that you, you, you feel good just going into your season as your quarterback. When you think of the 32 options that are out there, right, I mean, you think about what, you know, you have, you know, that in and of itself drops off another tier, right? Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself still says something. Um, so going back to the comment, I understood what Devontae Adams was saying from all of those aspects, in addition to the extra context that he put in there with Stabler and obviously Rich Gannon. But I, I don't even necessarily think that that was necessary. All teammates pay respect to their teammates. Mm-hmm. And I do, and, and clearly, Devontae Adams feels highly of Derek Carr because that's why he came right. to Las Vegas, took less money, and opted to play for Derek Carr. So, and then, you know, when you think about the tone in which he delivered it, you know, his, his, his demeanor and, and all that other stuff, all that was understood. We, we got that in, in live time, and, you know, in kind of live uh, time. And so it was what it was. And then, you know, to kind of see it picked up and, 
you know, the comment be leveraged for extra comment, you know, da 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 when it's like, we all know the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I thought, I, I did think it was extra. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And yesterday he said, I was waiting for this question, I was waiting for this question, and let me clarify myself. And he went on a nice little yeah. two-minute uh, conversation explanation about what he meant, but I was, I'm with you. I, I didn't even think he needed to clarify himself because it was, it sounded pretty obvious to me, but it's a slow time of year. <laughs> There's only one team. So I think that if the, the impetus for that <coughs> is more so that Devontae Adams, you know, is obviously very, you know, judicious about when he speaks. Yeah. And so to kind of be the focus in that manner is probably more what was different as opposed to um, it really being about the necessity of the comment itself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, obviously, if you don't write out and fully transcribe the comment in its entirety and you, you know, cut it off at all in all you know, then it, you know, people, it, it just makes it more jumpable, so to speak. Um, but even then, in the context of all the things that I just said about, you know, what it takes to be an elite quarterback and a quarterback, the fact that their teammates, their friends, he came here for him, all of that is understood. <laughs> no doubt about it. Again, we're talking with Josina Anderson from CBS Sports here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You mentioned Chandler Jones. You talked to him on Friday as well. How do you see that dynamic between Chandler Jones and up-and-coming Max Crosby? How do you see that playing out? I mean, you know, it might not you know, necessarily be apples to apples, right? But mm-hmm. it's to a degree, it's somewhat like the effect of Jadavian Clowney's arrival in Cleveland on Miles Garrett. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. As far as attracting that attention and then creating more one-on-one opportunities on either side of the defensive line, I think that is what you know. Um, you know, Chandler can do. Now you had that to a degree, right, with Yannick Ngakwe already. Uh, but the difference, I believe, with Chandler is that he has the Patriots pedigree and some of the knowledge of you know how that works. In addition to his fuel from the situation that he was coming from, which I was trying to get him to go into a little bit more <laughs> when I was talking about that, but he, he knew what I was doing. So he kind of, you know, stayed, you know, uh, surface with that, with respect to that. Not that there's anything untoward about it, but just in terms of getting more granular about what drives you as a player. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I, 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 and Chandler is such a, a colorful personality and he brings a lot of spunk and, energy you know to the field and the way that he thinks and he interacts with his teammates and people so i think all of that is positive so i think when you look at the individual components of who you guys anticipate to be the starters on this team and when you really delve into their personal situations you know you can see how you actually you know might have a very combustible uh synergistic group coming together of a lot of those components really wanting to you know you know, have a strong season for various reasons. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. What What are your thoughts on the AFC West? Uh, I've been calling it the toughest division in football. I think many have. What What are your thoughts on it? I mean, I have to really think about that more to say whether I really call it the toughest or not. But obviously, when you look at the the caliber of quarterback in it, uh, in, in the division, it's going to be very, very intriguing. Um, clearly, you know, the, the, uh, the Broncos have added – you know, a quarterback that has been to the Super Bowl uh, twice, and that uh, immediately raises that level at the quarterback position. Uh, and, and then you have some very interesting pieces along that. Um, you know, but I think that you can point out different things about every, you know, team with respect to how this is really going to turn out by the end of the regular season in addition to regular attrition, right? So, 
you know, Patrick Mahomes just, you know, lost a key piece in Tyreek Hill. You have Juju Smith-Schuster and Valdez Gantley coming in. You know, obviously with, uh, you know, um, Russell Wilson, you have Russell Wilson, and you maybe have some pieces that, um, you know, are, are different in comparison to the weapons that the Raiders have with the Sets and the offense, right, you know, right. that they're throwing to. And then you have the Chargers who, um, you know, probably, you know, ha- they have the same level of, you know, consistency on various instances that, you know, some of these other teams are not dealing with. They have a new coach and some, you know, different connections in key places, um, in addition to the talent of Justin Herbert. So it's going to be very, um, it's going to be um, very interesting to see. But I would say to, to kind of put a button on that, there's a reason why, you know, we came to the Raiders. Yes, one, because... Um, oh gosh, speaking of that, Russell Wilson can meet me in Sierra tonight, day one of the House of, oh, I don't know what they're doing. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh, they're, oh, they're opening a fashion store, that's happening tonight. I'm like, what is going on? They're just inviting the fans to come talk to Okay. So, nice. uh, to, put a button on, <laughs> to put a button on it is, is just there's a reason why we were, you know, with the Raiders, and, and, and it's because of the anticipation of the Josh the Derek, the Devontae, Hunter, you know, Darren, the, the, the defensive pieces, you know, Max, Chandler, and all those other things that go across. I mean, it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see. And just from, you know, uh, knowing Derek over, over the time, I think just like with anything, and, and, and obviously, and, and I, he knows this in terms of the things that I always highlight with him, is that, you know, people always judging you on, you know, the, the smallest of margins, wins or losses or what have you, and always, you know, just don't include the context of what you, you've you gone through. So if I'm hitting, I might not be, let's say I don't hit a grand slam this year, but if I hit a triple while I, I dodge 500 landmines, that's a, that's, a, that's a heck of a year. Right, <laughs> yeah. In terms of all the landmines that were there that I was just dealing with just to stay afloat. And so people forget to really applaud the survivability, the overcoming, the perseverance of those things relative to really illuminating your, your strength and your drive as opposed to just lining it up with whether you, you know, overcame in that last, you know, play to actually be, you know, uh, designated with the W. You know what I mean? I love the way you put that. I really do. I mean, avoiding all the landmines, that was awesome. I mean, that that really puts mm-hmm. it into perspective. Again, we're talking with Josina Anderson here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Before we let you go, my man Damon had a question for you that doesn't have anything to do with football. Go ahead, Damon. Yeah, well, one of our listeners on Twitter, he said, you got to ask Josina this. What do you think about Jamaica sweeping in the 100 but losing to the Americans <laughs> in the 4 by one well, I think Shelly Ann Fraser Price said it best when um, you know she mentioned the fact that they didn't practice, and so e- even though they're individually excellent, and you know we're so accustomed to seeing them sweeping as of late, even going back you know to the Olympics and things, you know at the end of the day the relay still rests on the skill of passing that baton around, and it also tripped up the men as well in terms of why they lost to um, Canada. And uh, Andre DeGrasse was able to, you know, stay ahead of the USA anchor leg chasing him down is because they botched that third uh, exchange to the anchor. And even Otto Bolden, the commentator, was saying at the end that, you know, his customary tradition is to wait before you extend, the person who's running up behind you, before you extend the baton, wait for the hand not only to go back but to be steady (laughs) before you. And then you would think, you know, people are doing this professionally 
understand that. But when you all, you're pursuing your individual goals and you don't practice, and now it's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. you know, then it's like that, that's happening. And then, you, and, then you miss the, and then you miss the exchange, and then it's unfortunate. And on one hand, it's like, oh, it's just the relay, you know, da 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 But then when you think about it, that's an opportunity to take two, three bands home or four, you know what I mean? And that just adds to the look of it on your mantle at home. So I obviously believe that was a huge missed opportunity for Jamaica, particularly with Sharika running so fast, even more so in the 200 when you look at the fact that the um, – the record uh, by by Flojo is within less than a tenth of what she ran. And also, you tweeted about the four by four relay, and you said that you you also used to run that. I did in middle school as well. So, what's your favorite race to watch? So, I mean, obviously, I would say the 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 hundred. You know, because it's just so it's there, it's in your face, it's just full out, you know, speed. But as someone who ran track at Carolina. And obviously, by the way, you guys can tell how I talk about track anytime it's on in a major way or when we for the combine and I'm analyzing, you know, the 40s more in depth mm-hmm. than anyone else. Is I, I fully appreciate all of the races, even down to steeplechase. That, does, that doesn't mean I was willing to do all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> but watching right. from my couch, <laughs> uh, I, I fully uh, appreciate all of those. And I think even more as I get older, I found myself I was watching the steeplechase. You know, like, you know, really sitting there before I was like, eh, you know what I mean? But I really will, you know, watch the entire, you know, track meet. You know. Yeah, I, I I could appreciate some good track as well. Uh, I was not I was not the track star at all, but that's okay. But you tried to race me in the parking lot, though, oh, so you I, obviously are. But I beat you. I did win. <laughs> just seeing that he quit. We we got started and he quit on me halfway through the race. We you, just you finished can't dinner. Have those Waffle House workout program. Right. You have to be dedicated. You know, to the organic eating, doing your yoga, doing your synergistic Ayurveda, what have you, to make sure everything is, you know, triangulated to run fast. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we were trying to do some kind of Waffle House something, and it wasn't working out, but uh, we had fun but anyway. every year, T.O., you know, tries to, you know, challenge me, and then he never shows up. You know, so it's always one NFL or uh, former player that tries to. Oh, thank you, sir. We got to meet on the black track for recess. You know, we got to go to the track. Da, 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 da. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> I know that's right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Josita, thank mm-hmm. you so much for your time this afternoon. We definitely mm-hmm. appreciate you. Where can we, uh, what, what you got coming out that we need to be on the lookout for? So, obviously, right now I'm in the middle of a six-city tour for training camp for NFL with uh, CVS Sports HQ. So, obviously, all of that is, you know, on our network. Uh, obviously, I put my content out on my Twitter page. Mm-hmm. at Justine Anderson. My Instagram is the same thing. And then at some point, you know, um, you know what I'm doing with my uh, show that I also uh, created and started on my own that will be unveiled at some point. So, Stay tuned. <laughs> yes, we will. We will for sure. And thank you so much again. We definitely appreciate you. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. All right. Thank you so much. There she goes. Josina Anderson, CBS Sports, doing her thing and uh, gave us plenty of time. And you got her fired up. You got her fired up about that track. Boy, you, you could tell. I mean, and that's awesome. I love it. You know what I mean? Because you could tell where, where folks' passions are. And like she said, uh, she ran track at Carolina. So you could tell her passion. And that got her amped up. And this might be, uh, I don't know, I'm just going to claim it, that this is the, the one radio interview that Josina's done today where she, you know, cussed. <laughs> and Devon had to dump it. <laughs> right? Right? But it's cool.
That's good. You got to fire it up. You got to fire it up talking about track. I love it. 447 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Many thanks to Jocelyn Anderson for joining us there. We'll come back, close out the show. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Many thanks to Justina Anderson. Joined us in the last segment. Talked football. Talked a little track. Talked some Kyla Murray. And see, I wasn't wrong. Because she had never seen that either in a contract. I've never seen that. I've never seen that kind of language in a contract you got to do four hours of film study with no video games no i mean that just that sounds like i'm talking to my son hey man look you're gonna have to do this you got turn turn that video game off and get to get your homework done that's what that sounds like that can't be good and i know yeah like you're gonna sign that contract because this is 200 right. with so like however For many sure. millions that you're going to sign the contract but i would just like like you said even andrew brent history 30 years of being inside the league right never having to do that as a team president i'd be pointing the finger at everybody on the team if i'm Kyler murray right big time facts big time facts right there uh that's yeah that's that's just crazy to me man that is really crazy uh mailman raider hit us and said just to add on to new england raider good morning football had the is D.C. a top-five quarterback conversation, and it wasn't bad. Also, I'm most concerned with the offense and defensive offensive line and defensive line. Get the, Will they get the defense? Will they get the schemes down in time for the regular season? I know there's a lot of time, but I'm concerned. Uh, that's from Mailman Raider. I couldn't remember if I got to that one or not. Uh, I'm trying to clean up and get all these texts in because we got a ton of them, and we definitely appreciate the text and the calls. 69187, keyword R&R. It's the best way to get whatever you want to say onto the show. Uh, definitely love the, the text messages. Um... Geese Mode said, absolutely, the secondary can be supported from other levels of the defense where we shine. Talking D-line and linebackers. But if the O-line is our Achilles heel on offense, that worries me a little bit about offensive production going into the season. Here's the hoping that we can outcoach this shortcoming or make solid acquisitions for depth. Let's go Raiders. That's from Geese Mode. And, yeah, that's the thing. What I've seen, and obviously we can't come in here and say, hey, I saw them run this play and do this play. We're not allowed to do that. I mean, we're just, we're not allowed to, we're not allowed to tweet formations. We're not allowed to tweet like plans or plays or whatever. Like, Hey, they just ran this, that, and the other, we're not allowed to do that. But from what I've seen, I feel like that this offense has the ability to kind of scheme up, not necessarily to help out the, the, the Raiders offensive line, but to not make it as much of a liability as you would think it is. If that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I think these guys are out here working really hard. I feel like that they have a, a real good opportunity. Obviously, Denzel Good retiring is a little bit of a blow, but it's probably something that the team was already preparing for. I think one of the best comments was, hey, man, the guy already took like a $2 million pay cut, so obviously the writing was on the wall that, you know, he wasn't probably going to be around anywhere. So now there's a lot more, you know, opportunity for a lot more guys on the offensive line to step up and fill that void. I don't know who's going to win the competition. I have no idea on July 25th, not 26th, who's going to be the starting the five guys on the offensive line. I remember my guy, brother Marquise in 305 when he was here uh, a couple months back, he asked me that question. And I said, Oh, it's easy. It's, uh, uh, uh it's easy. It's, uh, uh, it's easy. It's, uh, Colton Miller. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought it was, I thought you were a skipping record right there. No, I mean, that's because I, when he asked me that question, I was like, Oh yeah, no doubt. It's, and then I got stuck. I realized it's Colton Miller felt good about Andre James, but I didn't know about the other three and we still don't. We'll be back at practice tomorrow. 455 is the time. Have a great evening. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.